Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. While you're going there, there it is, 12 through 14. Look at it that way. Who have, as, if any of you have ever said this thing or seen this type of slogan stated of, I want it my way and I want it now. That's me pretty much every day. I don't know about you guys, but that's just kind of how I am. If I see something that I want, it's really hard for me to sometimes hold back. You know, as a kid, growing up, I, I, was, I cut grass for a living as a kid, you know. And I would get this money, and then I would go and I'd want to spend it on things. You know, I'd spend it on anything. Um, I definitely was not spending it on girls, though, because they're expensive, and I wanted nothing to do with them. But, you know, I, I, you know go to movies, do it, anything. So I had basically this indispensable income that was just always with me up until about 21 when I got married. <laughs> Mike got the joke. Oh, that's unfair. She's in Haiti right now. Which, by the way, Darcy is in Haiti right now. Yeah, I need one of those. I need one of them. So, unfortunately, you know, this attitude is really, it's, it's prevalent in, in who we are as people. It's just, that's who we are as humans with, with a nature that wants to go towards things that honestly are usually sinful and things that just are not always necessarily good. No, sometimes they are, but not always. But I want to read to you this, this funny little story that I think it's, it's really hard to understand, for one, and when it's very misunderstood. So it makes it a perfect thing for us to talk about tonight. So Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, it says this. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus felt hungry. Him being fully God and fully human, him being hungry makes a lot of sense. Verse 13, he noticed a fig tree a little way off that was in full leaf. So he went over to see it if he could find any figs on it. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. What? <laughs> exactly. So what do you think this situation is about? Or what do you think about this situation? Let's, what do you think about this? So I'm a little different than Mike. I, I have some questions for you because, well, I already had them in there. But I want some feedback here. So what do you think about this situation? Your honest opinion when you first heard this. Let me just read it right there. What do you think about this? Don't make Jesus mad. <laughs> Dude was mad and he cursed a tree. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. What else? If no one answers, this is going to be a very boring night. No, cursing a tree sounds pretty normal to me. <laughs> That's where you come from, though, so that makes sense. So, I mean, have you ever come across this in reading, or you read it maybe the first time here, or heard that Jesus cursed a fig tree and went, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I truly think that sometimes. I read that and I go, that, what in the world, what is the point of this? And for the longest time, I never even understood it. So but let's put it this way. So he's angry. What else? What else might describe his emotional state, Jesus' emotional state, to make him curse a fig tree? Really hungry. Really hungry? Upset? Because he's hungry and there's no, nothing to eat. So therefore, I'm really upset right now. What else? Any other emotional state? So hungry, angry, upset? Low blood sugar? Low blood sugar. <laughs> That's possible. We don't know. Not the last time I heard. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's disappointed, frustrated, annoyed. What? Furious. Furious. A little fast. 
a little furious. I don't know. So, I told you I wasn't funny, so it's not that big of a shock to me. So how is this passage maybe troubling to you? What, what freaks you out about this passage too? You don't get it. That's troubling. Does it make any sense to you at all? No. Anybody, does this make total sense to you? Raise your hand if it makes total sense to you. Now raise your hand if it doesn't make total sense to you. There, some interaction. So some people know this story very well because I didn't see every hand up. There you go. That doesn't, yeah. Why is he doing this? He's Jesus. He's God. Why is he cursing a fig tree? This is really weird. See, I totally forgot to throw that up there. See, I'm new to these clickery thingies. I'm just getting used to it, Mike. So let, let's go back a little bit. Let, let's think about this a little bit. Let's set the scene. It wasn't even time for figs yet. It wasn't even the season for figs. It says it. So he sees it. There were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. It wasn't even time for the tree to have fruit, and yet he's mad. Again, what in the world? Did, let's put it this way. Did he have a right to curse the tree? Did Jesus have a right to curse the tree? That might be true. Well, let's put it this way. Did he have a right to curse it for not bearing fruit when it wasn't even supposed to be bearing fruit? That doesn't make any sense. We're beyond, it's beyond us. Though. So no reasonable person would expect fruit at this time of the year. That's the other thing, too. No reasonable person would expect fruit. So apparently Jesus is a little unreasonable. So what is he so angry about? If it's not even time, it's too early in the season for fruit. It's not even time. So what is he so angry about? We'll come back to that in a little bit. What I want you to do right now is I want you to imagine how the tree felt. Imagine how the tree felt. Let's pretend that trees can think and have feelings for a moment here. What did the tree feel? The tree is minding its own business, just sitting there with its roots in the ground, chilling out. Yep, hanging out. And then all of a sudden, this group of guys comes walking by, and one of them says, hey, let's go over to that fig tree. And it's probably going, oh, man, I... I got this nice little spot on the side of the mountain. I got this view. I got some leaves going on. I got some, some source of protection going on with me. I'm doing fine. And he's going, there's no way they're coming over, over here for any. Now, fig trees can get kind of big, but they're usually about eh, yay-ish big. They can't really produce necessarily a lot of shade or anything, so they're not coming to the tree for comfort. It's more of really a big giant bush. Think about it that way. Now, if you've been to my house, you've got those bushes right there next to the, the yard. Think of it that way if you've ever seen them. If not, they're yay tall. So, and surely the, the, the tree must start thinking, there, this is unfair. This is unjust and unreasonable for Jesus, this guy, to come over here and be like, hey, there's no fruit, curse the tree. He's being, the tree is being judged for something that it's not even capable of doing. It's not capable of producing fruit at this time. And it's, Jesus is like, I curse you. That's totally unfair and unjust and unreasonable. Now that's going to go to a question here. So I want you guys now at your tables, because this is something fun to do, maybe. How do you feel God has been unjust in your life? Or have you ever thought that Jesus has had unreasonable expectations of you? I don't have a cool timer. I'll just say, ding, when it's done. <laughs> so, what's that? 
It is. That's what I was going for. So turn around, kind of think about this for a little bit, discuss it. How has God been unjust or how has God been unreasonable in your life up to this point? Have fun with that. I love my sister anyway. Well, you know, as, as, I, was, as I was going back and thinking about this, I kinda, I was, I've been thinking about the last kind of eight months of my life. And, you know, I find out my grandma's dying. I find out I'm going to be losing my job. I find out our lawyer for our adoption has lied to us for two years. All in about a three-month period. And I kind of just sat there one day and I thought, what the heck is going on? What is... I, had, I was so angry, I didn't have words, Carrie. I mean, it's just, it was, I was just like, what in the world is going on in life right now? Like, you know, haven't I done some good things? Haven't I been doing this and doing what you've called me to do? And what's going on? Do, but do we sometimes often feel that way with, with God? Like he might call us to something or he might be calling us to even him. And we're sitting there going, I don't know if I really want to sign up for that. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. I think that's a little crazy, to be honest with you. And yeah, we think that life is unfair and unjust and unreasonable. We think it's unfair to go out of our way sometimes to help someone else because, well, they're an inconvenience. I don't want to stop on the side of the road because I have to go home and watch a TV show. I've literally thought that before. <laughs> and I didn't stop either, so that tells you a little bit about who I am. You know, we, we think it's unfair to put other people's needs before our own needs or desires or wants. We think it's unfair to talk to a person about how we may have hurt them or how they may have hurt us. Because why in the world would I want to go back to somebody who's hurt me? And, you know, I might have hurt that person on purpose. So it's kind of stupid, in my opinion, to go back and fix that. To give up our possessions, to give up our money for those that are in need. You know, we kind of talked about a little bit, you know, there's a lot of real actual need in the world. And maybe we can go out of our way a little bit and give something towards that. But you know what? I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at. I enjoy where I'm at. And again, has, have you ever felt like maybe it's just Jesus himself is unreasonable with you because you don't know if you can really want to follow anything that he says because he cursed a fig tree and that's weird? I mean, is it that maybe you're following Jesus, but you don't really want to take that next step and say, you know, okay, I can give some more of myself to this. We're going to do a fun little thing and jump over to Matthew 25. Ding. <laughs> See, I got to get used to the clickery thingy. Matthew 25, it's kind of a long passage, and I'm going to basically kind of summarize it for you, but I'm going to read some of the beginning. 2531 in the book of Matthew. I don't have it on the board again. It's really long, but you, you guys will get it. You're smart people, I think. Starting at verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come you who are blessed to blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you, gave, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. 
I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous basically go, when did we ever do this? When did we ever see you? When did you ever come anywhere near us to where we did these things for you? And, and he says, he goes, when you took care of those in need, it's basically the gist of it. Then the king, he will turn to those on his left. Your left's over there. Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. That's not very loving. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me and all these other things. He says, you, you, you never took care of me. You never fed me. You never clothed me. You never came to visit me. And they respond the same way. When? When? When did we ever do this? And he will answer, verse 45, I assure you, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. Now, that is not an easy thing to read or to even understand. But what bothers you about this story? Besides the whole story in and of itself. Let's put this. What is the separation based on? It's based on works. What? I thought Paul said in Ephesians that salvation is not by works, so that any man may boast, but it's through grace, by faith. Why is this based on works? What is this separation based on and why? What's the response of the goats? When he puts them on his left, what do they say in response to him separating them? Anybody want to take a hint? Their response was, this is unfair. This is unjust. This doesn't make any sense. They say, it's unfair. We never saw you. It's unjust. We never knew you were even hungry. How are we supposed to know what to do if we didn't know who you were? The goat said, how can you fault me for something that I didn't even do? I, so what, what is fair? What is fair in all of this? It's not an easy thing to answer. How are we going to answer this? What, what, what is fair to these people? Well, for that, we've got to go back. We've got to go back to Mark. I'm going to leave you hanging for a little bit on that because it's fun for me. Let's go back to Mark. So, the, all right, little, little background on fig trees. Let's look at the fig tree itself, okay? The leaves were there. The leaves were on the tree. The fig trees would produce kind of like a free, a free fruit stage, a pre-fruit stage is what I'm trying to say. And it was a little bit greener than the actual fig. So there's this kind of edible pre-fruit hanging on the tree before the actual fruit gets there. So when the pre-fruit fell off, the figs would appear. It's kind of like a preparation for the figs to get there. And again, that pre-fruit was edible. I'd imagine it wasn't that good, but it's edible. So Jesus would have seen the leaves though, and he would have expected to have that kind of pre-fruit thing sitting there. Jesus approached the tree because there was every indication on that tree that it would have something, that it would offer something more than just the leaves. He found nothing. Just leaves. All he saw was the outside appearance of this tree that indicated something that it wasn't. So he cursed it. And it died. So, let's take this back a little bit. Go to question two. Does this information change your minds or your thoughts? 
if the tree has every indication of offering something, is it now unfair and unjust for Jesus to curse it? What do you think Jesus was trying to teach? Have some fun with that one too. I'll ding you when we're done. So again, so the leaves indicated something that should have been there. Let's read a little bit more. Go back to Mark. Same, same chapter, different verse. We're going to keep reading. Verse 15 that, this time. This is where, see, I, I love this part of Mark because Jesus seems unreasonable and then he goes crazy. So, <laughs> verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He is really upset that fig tree did not have any fruit. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. Why is he doing this? And he stopped everyone from bringing in merchandise. What? Oh, oh see, sorry. Blink, blink. There you go. It's up on the, it's up on the board now. Verse 17. He taught them. So, like, he... He yells at him, he drives him out, and then he teaches him. My kind of guy. The scriptures declare, my temple will be called a place of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Then the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done. They began planning how to kill him, but they were afraid of him because the people, I'd be afraid of him too, were so enthusiastic about Jesus' teaching. That evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. What? What does a fig tree and Jesus going crazy on some merchants in the temple have to do with each other? What in the world do you do? Why are these stories here together? I think they're the same story. Why is that? Well, what is the temple? The temple was like the fig tree. It was a promise of something, but there was no real substance to it. So the temple was supposed to be this place where, the, where God's presence would dwell within the people. So the outside of it was beautiful. It was a gorgeous building. And the presence of God was supposed to dwell with inside what was called the Holy of Holies. Because it's really holy. But not actual holes. So... The outside of this building, of this temple, was beautiful. It promised something of great worth on the inside. And on the inside was the presence of God promising. So the promise was fulfilled with the presence of God. It's just like the fig tree, except the fig tree, promise of this great yummy meal, and yet there's nothing there. Here's the thing, though. The temple was beautiful on the outside. But what was going on on the inside? It was a den of thieves, as Jesus calls it. What was happening was the merchants in there were selling the doves and the sacrifices. They were ripping people off for profit because they could. For no other reason other than they could. It was turned from a place of worship to a place of really looks, bad stuff. It was just a, it was just a look. It was, Hey, it's, a, it's like our churches today sometimes. Hey, look at that beautiful church there. Yeah, they don't really do anything, but that's a beautiful looking church. Look at that awesome place. It was a place to meet God. At least that's what it was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's, so Paul, he says that our bodies now are a temple for the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to get a little personal again. If 
if the Holy Spirit is now, if the presence of God is basically indwelling us, living inside of us, then what is it that we should be doing as far as what we do to other people and how we treat other people? Because see, our actions are going to come out of what's on the inside. Now, granted, we can do good things without God. I see people do it all the time. But again, it, sometimes it's the motivation. And I got to hand it to some people. Sometimes it truly is just, I just want to help and I want to be, I want to love. That's great. But as we go back to the goat story, our actions really aren't going to even do all that much. Now, yeah, you did a good thing, but again, it was an outpouring of who they were. Not of what they did, but it was an outpouring from the inside. The thing is, though, we're kind of like the fig tree. Excuse me, we're kind of like the temple. We can make ourselves look, well, some of us can make ourselves look pretty on the outside. But really, I mean, who are we on the inside? And what is it with us that's on the inside? You might call it a flash in the pan even. That's how we act. So what are some areas in your life where maybe you see something good, but you're not really sure of substance? What is it with churches today? What is it with others? What about you? What does a person of substance really look like? And again, I'm going to have to go back to Matthew 25. If you notice, they were sheep and they were goats. I'm going to blow your minds with this. The sheep acted like sheep. The goats acted like, that's right, goats. They were who they were. So who are you? If Jesus is calling us to come to him so that we might be his, that's something cool. But if we choose to just kind of ignore that, then really, who are we? What are we? What are we doing? What are our good works for? What's the purpose of them? We might just need to lay ourselves aside. Uh, the band's going to come uh, back up. I'm already up here, so I don't have to get up. But um, I, I, I want to kind of wrap everything up here with communion. Because really, I think that's what it all boils, all boils down to. Really, life in and of itself has no purpose or meaning outside of a life lived to glorify God. Because what is it that you're doing anything for anyway? You might live, live for yourself and therefore have a great time. Maybe that's it. And you know what? If all you want to do is have a good time, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. I can't stop you because you're going to do whatever you want anyway. But if, if you feel anything spiritually being tugged on you, you might want to explore that. Who is this God? Who is this guy Jesus? And what is he really calling me to? Because, you know, yeah, he seems to be a little bit crazy here, but all he's calling us to is something that is, he wants us to just live an outpouring of who we are based on who he is and living our life through that lens. So communion here, it's really, it's, it's a time where we, we think about and we honor 
and we lay ourselves aside for, for Christ and what he did, which, what did he do? He made a way to where when that separation happens of the sheep and the goats, he's called us his sheep. We don't have to live as a goat. So therefore, it really doesn't even matter what our actions are. All that matters is that we are his sheep and he will call us like that. It's an interesting thought because really what Christ did was when, when, when he was nailed on the cross and he bled and his body was just ripped to shreds, he provided a way to become his sheep. Or he might even say to be adopted into his family. It's another way to put it. So that we are now his. So I just want to invite everyone that is really, that has trusted in Christ to come and remember this. If there's a, a chance that you might want to come and remember that, but you're not really sure where you stand with God, you can come and talk to, to Mike, to me, to, I know there's other guys here and other ladies that will talk to you. If that's you, if you're kind of sitting there going, I, I kind of want to know more about this, just come and talk to us. But during this time, we're going to sing, sing a song. And I just want you guys to reflect on all of that.